0: Welcome to Stuff Mom Never Told You, from HowStuffWorks.com. Hello, and welcome to the podcast. I'm Kristen. And I'm Caroline. And this episode comes from a listener request, and it was a great one. And she uh, she asked on Facebook, what's up with the mother-in-law stereotype? By mother-in-law, I mean monster-in-law. That mothers-in-law are, make life living hell for, especially the daughters-in-law, like whoever their son marries, or they, they're just meddlesome, they pop over whenever they want, and really life would be better without them.
1: Marie? That, that's from, uh, Everybody loves Raymond.
0: Oh, yeah. Stereotypical, awful mother-in-law. Yeah, TV loves a good obnoxious in-law. TVTropes.org that we've cited a number of times uh, refers to this as the obnoxious in-laws. A happily married couple faces various problems, but none quite like the sitcom in-law. A member of one couple's family, often the wife's, has an obnoxious animosity toward their relative's spouse. They hate the person their daughter, sister, son, brother, is married to and aren't shy about reaffirming it. And I feel like among the obnoxious in-laws, the mother-in-law takes the cake. Maybe because of Everybody Loves Raymond. Doris Roberts plays Marie Barone mm-hmm. and I make a point to not watch Everybody Loves Raymond. No offense to ELR fans out there, but I, I she's one of the reasons I wouldn't I don't think I could sit through an entire episode. Really? Yeah. It's just Cause two, she's all like, Raymond, <laughs> you're not eating enough. What are they feeding you?
1: Yeah, no, I, I have to say that when my parents watch that show, my mother just looks at my father and is like, Do you see that? Do you see, do, does that look familiar, Chad?
0: Well, some other pop culture examples are Bewitched for Bewitched fans, uh and Dora, Samantha's mom. Comes over and is always like putting her nose in their witchy business. Uh, Meet the Parents yeah. has built an entire franchise around kooky in-laws, although it's more focused on... The dangerous father-in-law? Yeah. Um, and then there is Jane Fonda. Jane Fonda, why? Why did you, why did you make the movie Monster-in-law Ugh. co-starring Jennifer Lopez? And that guy with the hair. I don't know. I don't know which guy. I don't know either. Um, but, uh, maybe, I mean, these, the fact that the stereotype exists is not completely baseless, because oh, yeah. historically there have been some pretty infamous mothers-in-law. By infamous, you mean great. So
1: you guys remember FDR, right? That president, that time. Yeah, yeah. he was recently
0: played by Bill Murray.
1: Yeah, that's right. Mm-hmm. That's right. I'm looking forward to that. I'm. I think. I think I am. <laughs> Maybe. Um, his mother, Sarah Delano Roosevelt. Actually took him on a cruise to dissuade him from marrying his distant cousin, Eleanor. She lost that battle, mm-hmm. um, and as a wedding present. So, okay, one of the big things about mothers-in-law is that daughters-in-law often think that they're like putting their nose into their business. She actually built them a house and completely furnished it herself, and was like, "Here you go, make this your kingdom." So that, that's a, that's a pretty big, like, nose sticking into. I think my favorite, though, is Madge Gates Wallace, whose daughter Bess married Harry Truman. So the whole time that, that Harry is, is, uh, courting Bess, uh, Madge is just not having it. She's like, I don't approve of you. You're no good. You're not educated enough. You're not good enough. Um, she actually looked after them as newlyweds because they couldn't afford their own house. And even after, They got to the White House. She still belittled her son-in-law constantly, even when she moved into the White House with them.
0: Yeah, um, she actually favored Thomas Dewey to win the 1948 election by a landslide. Yeah. And Truman was like, come on, Mom. (laughs) Madge didn't care. Um, Now, over in The Telegraph, Louisa Dillner cites Queen Victoria as having um, a rocky relationship with her daughters-in-law. Um, one of them, Alex, was not allowed to breastfeed because old Vicks did, was not into that. She didn't like that idea. Margaret Thatcher, also the Iron Lady, was said to be a formidable mother-in-law, um, having invested far too much in her son, according to her son's now ex-wife. But apparently that was a major source of tension in their marriage was um, Margaret Thatcher always, or maybe Meryl Streep always coming over. <laughs> to the house My unannounced. God, who do I have to marry to get Meryl Streep <laughs> to come hang out with me? Oh, uh, no. And then for a real-life example, I found this over at uh, Slate's advice column, uh, Ask Prudence. A woman wrote in frantically asking for advice because she was worried that her mother-in-law was attempting to poison her food because anytime they, they would have like a weekly meal over at her husband's parents' house, and she swears up and down. That every time she would become violently ill with food poisoning, but her husband would be fine. But the problem was the husband would kind of, like, kind of laugh it off and think that she was sort of overreacting, whereas she really thought that the mother-in-law was out to kill her. And then <laughs> also in my research, I found this, uh, random, very random Russian joke pointing out, like, how this is kind of a, A global stereotype, (laughs) and it goes something like this. Children are the flowers of life. Wife's mother is a cactus of death. Oh! cactus of death i'm cactus getting that tattoo death. that's going
1: to be my first tattoo
0: well i think one thing um and we'll get into this more is you have to consider the time period when this uh the stereotype was rampant especially uh louisa Dillner at the telegraph points this out that mother-in-law jokes in the uk at least were just on every comedy stage in the mid-20th century because at the time a lot of young married couples would initially live with parents before they could afford their own place and move out on their own. So, you you know, understandably, some tensions might arise.
1: Can you imagine? Like, you
0: can't go anywhere. You just have to live with her. You just got to do it. Every day. Well, my my mother also is very... Um, she likes to consider herself a very good mother-in-law and wants to avoid the stereotype so much so that she refers to her daughters-in-law as her daughters-in-love.
1: Aww. Uh, Dis- I think Disney birds just flew around the studio.
0: Oh, they're just my daughters-in-love. I don't say daughters-in-law. <laughs> um, but but uh, surveys also indicate that... The acrimony is is very apparent in the mother-in-law and especially it's mother-in-law to daughter-in-law there's something about that relationship so Red book magazine reported on a survey showing that uh, mothers-in-law are kind of kind of like my mom bless her heart uh, like to think that they are very easy going on their daughters-in-law that they're not you know they're they're not the the Doris Roberts on everybody loves Raymond sixty percent would describe their daughter-in-law as a daughter, friend, or the right woman for their son. Only 10% referred to the daughter-in-law as the enemy. <laughs> um, and 45% thought that they were just okay or marginally disliked her. But still, a majority of them liked overall, liked the daughter-in-law. Although, and this is where I think a root of a lot of attention comes in, 60% copped to giving unsolicited advice. To the daughter in law. Yeah. yeah.
1: Actually, well, forty one point four percent of mothers in law surveyed said that their daughters in law never followed their advice that they offered. And I just picture them like filling in that bubble with an eye roll and a heavy <laughs> sigh. Like ugh, never. Um they uh, they like their daughters in law in general. Fifty three point nine percent said very much. Twenty three point seven said she's okay. Yeah, she's she's okay.
0: And 9.1% said not, not at all. But there seems to be more displeasure when it comes to the daughter-in-law evaluating the mother-in-law.
1: Yeah, as we'll get into a little bit when we talk about advice and what to do with your pesky mother and or daughter-in-law. I don't know why that would be and or. Anyway, daughters-in-law are sort of primed to be a little sensitive and think that the mother-in-law is meddling. So this 2010 iVillage study found that, according to its users, 51% of daughters-in-law would rather stay home and clean than have to listen to their mothers-in-law. So let's talk about what women would rather do than go hang out with the monster-in-law. Tell me. 36% would rather visit a gynecologist. Now, that involves a speculum.
0: I like my doctor.
1: I like my doctor, too. But they would rather get intimate with a speculum than go hang out with their mother in law. Point taken. Thirty percent would rather do jury duty, twenty eight percent would prefer to do their taxes or get a root canal. Whew, that's that's intense. And 76%, 76% said they would never seek
0: parenting advice from a mother-in-law. Raymond! <laughs> That's the, it's just going around in my head now. Um, and yeah, I mean, we we're reporting on something, a survey from Redbook, a survey from iVillage, and that might not seem like the, the most scholarly sources, but studies into in-law relationships have not only highlighted this tension, particularly with the daughters-in-law and mothers-in-law, but also highlighted, unfortunately, again, the mother-in-law as above and beyond generally the most troublesome in-law. And this is also a cross-cultural pattern. Uh, there was a 1989 study comparing attitudes among families in the U.S., Kuwait, Egypt, and Sudan, and all of them finger-pointed to the mother-in-law. Um, Mamas just love their babies, their sons. They do. They do. And and they love their daughters. I mean, this can go, obviously, like different yeah. ways. Um, so be, because of this stereotype and because survey data continues to uh, point out that this problematic relationship, Cambridge University psychologist Terry Apter looked into it a little bit deeper to try to get to the bottom of what's going on, and she wrote a book about it called... What do you want from me? <laughs> Learning to get along with in-laws. And she actually found some pretty some pretty telling patterns about what's going on a lot of times.
1: Yeah, she said that it's generally a clash of expectations and assumptions, thing that the things that the mother-in-law assume are going to happen, things that the daughter-in-law is worried will happen. And she said that 60% of women describe the mother and daughter-in-law relationship as strained infuriating, and simply awful, whereas only 15% of men complained about their mother-in-law. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, and she attributes this to an issue of vulnerability um, because two-thirds of women said they felt that their mothers-in-law were jealous of their relationships with sons, while two-thirds of mothers-in-law said they felt excluded by their sons' wives. And meanwhile, the son is apparently just kicking up his feet and... Having a brewski or something like this. Also, we should also point out that almost all of this research is exclusively dealing with heterosexual married couples. Um, and uh, uh, after also cites some other studies, such as one that came out of Japan in 2008, and it was published in the journal *Heart*, which found that women living in multi-generational households were 2 to 3 times more likely to experience <laughs> to experience coronary heart surgery than women living with just their spouse and there is something about proximity that seems to increase that tension at least uh, according to results from an Italian study this is my favorite my favorite study maybe ever
1: uh, this is a National Statistics Institute study uh, of Italian families. They found that the odds that a marriage will last increase with every 100 yards couple's place between them and their in-laws to the point where Italian courts even ruled that a wife has the right to a legal separation if her husband is not effective in preventing his mother from, quote-unquote, invading their home.
0: So that's, that's pretty intense. <laughs> So, essentially, if you want to avoid this conflict, just move. Live far away. Move
1: away. <laughs> yeah. Because, well, that also sort of removes a lot of the sticky factor, like the awkwardness of, like, please don't just drop
0: by my house. Right. Please don't take over the raising of my children. Well, and and the thing is, too, once... It, when it's just a couple, you know, it's it's much easier to manage those relationships. But, as after points out, kids are often the tipping point, especially with that mother-daughter dynamic. And this was reported on, um, in Time Magazine. Uh, she found that in all ethnic cultures included in her research and across generations, Child rearing was one of the most constant and stressful sources of conflict between daughters-in-law and mothers-in-law, and that ties in uh, perhaps issues of vulnerability, issues of unsolicited advice of the mother-in-law, you know, stepping in to maybe try to discipline a child when that might be out of bounds. Uh, so, so kids can understand, understandably complicate things, and there was a paper that I found by Mary Claire Moore Cerwiks called uh, "Getting Along with In-Laws." In- which was essentially a a meta-analysis on a lot of literature published on in-law relationships. And she points out that these are odd relationships to begin with, the whole in-law thing. And uh, they are described in very academic terms as triadic and non-voluntary, which essentially means you are asking for tension. Like no one, you know, you you can't pick your parents-in-law. Mm-hmm. And uh, and and parents can't pick their their daughters and sons-in-law, and so while that doesn't doom all of them to be terrible, it does predict uh, maybe some. Uh, some bumps here and there.
1: Yeah, I mean, particularly if you're coming from different backgrounds. Yeah. And just totally different cultures and, and, or just simply your, your family did things differently. Right. And plus you're building your own family, whether you're having babies or puppies or kitties or whatever you're having, like the way that you do things in your household is bound to be Taking from both of your backgrounds. Right. And so one side or the other side might think, well, that that's just not that's not how I did it.
0: Right. And um, and that's a good point, because sometimes the the parent in laws might perceive uh, lifestyles that are different from theirs or child rearing tactics that are different from from theirs as ju- negative judgments on how they raised their kids Um, so that's something that can also come up and I can understand I obviously I do not have a mother-in-law at this point but having met boyfriends mothers it's always a nerve-wracking experience the first time it Mm -hmm. takes me a long time to dress I consider my outfit carefully you know (laughs) what you want to present the 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 best possible side of yourself because you know you 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 don't you want to create a harmonious relationship with your partner's parents if at all possible
1: there was there was one relationship in college i i i don't think he listens to the podcast because it could get awkward but there was one relationship in college where i i met his mother and of course i was nervous going into it you're always nervous um but she was so nice and so gracious And then I felt so bad when I broke up with her son because she was already, like, you know, buying me things and giving me Christmas presents.
0: Did she she ask you to call her mom?
1: No, no. It didn't get that far, but she did, like, I don't know. I I was at at her house one time, and I made a comment about how nice all of her, like, cookware was. Mm -hmm. I think she had, like, some fancy brand that was really nice. And she was like, well, you know, I... I hope one day to, to pass it down. And I was just like, oh, God, I'm in college. I'm 20 years old. Please. Ooh. So so there is. It awesome. is on
0: the there. There's a whole spectrum of, yeah. of in-law type relationships. Well, and funnily enough, uh, the mother-in-law, daughter-in-law tension has even been in sciencey news in recent months. Uh, because there is a suggestion that this tension has been around. For a long, long time, and might be the evolutionary explanation for menopause, because what is it? Humans, killer whales, and only a few other species actually go through experience menopause for the for the females, yeah. So scientists are still trying to figure out why, why do we have, uh, why do we have menopause? And then why do women live a lot longer beyond that? Because evolutionarily, once you're done being able to procreate, you're useless, so die.
1: So, just get out of here. Yeah, um, there was a Finnish study that was published in the journal Ecology Letters in August 2012. They looked at, and this is, I think this is really interesting because I'm a total genealogy nerd. Uh, they looked at church birth, marriage, and death records from 1702 to 1908 and found that the chances of children dying increased when mothers in law and daughters in law gave birth around the same time. But it was not true if mothers and daughters had children at the same time. So children of older women, uh, in this, in the mother-in-law, daughter-in-law dynamic, mm-hmm. children of older women, uh, their survival rate dropped by 50%. Children of the daughter-in-law, uh, survival rate dropped 66%. And so why? Why is this happening? And they think that perhaps in-laws fought over food for their children instead of cooperating as mothers and daughters might.
0: Raymond, <laughs> again,
1: no lasagna for those twins. <laughs>
0: yeah. And as to the, this is more of a side note, but as to the, the rationale behind why, or the hypothesis behind why women do live past uh, menopause, why we have grandmothers essentially is uh, the so-called grand- grandmother hypothesis claiming that um they're useful. Grandmothers are very useful. Because they are an additional resource to help with child rearing. And since they can't have kids anymore, then there's they can, no competition. There's no competition. They can allocate their resources. But unfortunately, allocating those resources sometimes causes friction with the in-laws. Uh, but we've talked so much about... Uh, daughters-in-law and mothers-in-law, and yeah, and the father-in-law too, like, it's clearly getting a pass, even though I'm sure he can be troublesome sometimes too. But there is a chance, according to one recent study, that maybe the son-in-law is the key to everything. Yeah, Terry Orbach, uh,
1: who's a psychologist and research professor at University of Michigan, did a 26-year longitudinal study of married couples and found that when the husband reports feeling close to his in-laws the marriage is more likely to last the long haul which is that's good that's a positive yeah. they found that the risk of divorce over the next 16 years was 20% lower than for the group overall uh, but the the kink in the whole plan comes in that it's opposite for the wife when the wife reported being close to the in-laws the risk of divorce rose 20%
0: yeah, and Orbach thinks that that has to do with uh, the, the wife being closer to the in-law parents increases her sensitivity to their opinions on how they're living, how they're raising their kids and all, all of that.
1: Yeah, she's not doing the boundary setting, right? And so over time, well, it might be great at first, like oh, she wants to help out, or oh, she's giving me a piece of
0: advice, or whatever. Eventually, she might see that as meddling, right? And I mean, and and, and the thing about the the healthy relationship between the son in law and uh, his partner's parents also makes a lot of sense because one major complaint of people who report having a negative uh, relationship with an in-law is that their partner those people's you know son or daughter don't do anything to to mediate or um validate the tension or anxiety that they're feeling about the flack that they might be getting from an in-law so so really I mean it seems like there's uh, it's a support issue that needs to be taken into account. But the son-in-law finding also reminds me of, uh, the show Modern Family. Just mm-hmm. to toss out one final TV reference. Because I really like how instead of harping on the mother-in-law trope, they put all the emphasis on the husband Phil trying to court his wife's father's, uh, affections. Yeah. And it's, it's great. It's very charming and cute.
1: Mm-hmm. So, if you are a daughter-in-law currently dealing with mother-in-law issues, there's a bajillion points of advice out there. Um we just th- kind of cold cold the high points out there. You want to address problems directly because in any relationship, in life, it's not good to stew over things. But in a mother-in-law, a daughter-in-law relationship in particular, I mean, you're going to be stuck with this person for a long time. So it's best that uh, maybe as a couple, that might be helpful too, you sit down with your in-laws and just maybe explain expectations. Or if things are already getting to a boiling point, just sit her down and let her know that, you know, like for instance, if housekeeping isn't your priority, just let her know. Because my my friend, for instance, she doesn't have so much of a mother-in-law problem as she has a grandmother-in-law problem. Mm-hmm. The grandmother, like, at the wedding was like, so you're going to be cooking for my grandson every night, right? And Jessica was just like, I, I don't cook. I buy things. So there was already, like, that pressure on her to do the cooking and the cleaning from the grandma. And so she just had to tell her, like, look, lady, housekeeping, cooking, it's not my thing. Also, you know, feel free to let her know. Feel free. Like, (laughs) gently let her know that you don't really appreciate being judged, and that's how you feel. You know, remember all the talk and advice about make it about your feelings, not what they're doing? You just want to try to set boundaries in a non-confrontational way so that your whole relationship doesn't just blow
0: up. Well, and I think that all this advice also needs to be directed, too, to the communication between partners of if there is a troublesome... Because a lot of times you're, you're going to know if you have a parent who might not who might make a challenging in-law. Yeah. Okay. And uh, those are conversations that also need to be had, uh, you know, in, in private so that that person can step up to bat for you. If you need some help setting boundaries. Um And now flipping the script a little bit for mothers-in-law. I mean, the big thing over and over again, that a lot of these uh, articles that we found cited was stop assuming that anybody wants your advice.
1: Yeah. I mean, Yes, you have more life experience than either your son or daughter-in-law or whoever, uh, but they don't always want to hear it. I mean, they're not your child, so they don't really have that feeling of like, I, I want to learn from you, right. you know, necessarily. And so, um, try, try to, uh, maybe, maybe rein that in a little, if possible.
0: Um, and I thought this was kind of cute. Over at AARP, uh, they had an article also advising mothers-in-law on how to, how to maintain a harmonious relationship. And one of their pieces of advice was stay out of the bedroom. Don't ever ask, when are you going to make me a grandma? Which yeah. I think that's a, that's a good one. Essentially, it's like keep the pressure off. Allow, allow the couple to live their lives, be there if they need them. And, Also, for, you know, people in the, you know, the newly wed relationship, also, if, if you sense that vulnerability or jealousy from a parent, maybe the, the son or daughter needs to step in to reassure them that their relationship isn't, the parent child relationship is still going to be intact. Yeah. You know, but there's, there's just a new person to incorporate.
1: Yeah. That's a good thing. Yeah. Well, a lot of advice out there does say that, like, if it's the, Sons, if it's the husband's parents who are causing the issues, the husband needs to be the messenger mm-hmm. and vice versa. If it's the wife's parents causing issues, like if the wife's parents are causing issues, it shouldn't be the husband going to them and being like, uh, you know, one-on-one you're, you're upsetting me. Right. It should be sort of a group therapy type of situation.
0: And when in doubt, uh, take a tip from Italy and move as far away as possible. Put lots of football fields between you. Yeah. I mean, there's Skype. That's all you really need these days. So now, I mean, especially as as two gals sans mother's-in-law at this point, I want to hear from... People out there, I know that there are mothers-in-law listening. I know that there are daughters-in-law listening, sons-in-law. I want to hear from all of you about in-law relationships. Uh, mothers-in-law, do you do you think that the stereotype is true, or do you think that it is way overblown? That you are the monster-in-law thing needs to die as quickly as possible. Um, people who have dealt with. In-laws, uh, are, do you have fantastic relationships? Is it, do you dread having to go over to, uh, their houses for the holidays? Uh, let us know all of your in-law tales. Momstuff at discovery.com is where you can email them or you can hit us up on Facebook as well. And now, our letters.
1: All righty, this is an email from Austin about our friend zone episode. He said that he wanted to add another perspective. Uh, he conducted research on the topic when working on the single guy's guide to relationships and says, I was shocked to not hear you talk about same sex friend zones. You did mention that someone would should accept it if they are interested in a friend who does not share their sexual preference. The friend zone, being friends with someone where only one of the two parties has a sexual attraction to each other, does exist in same-sex friends, both sharing the same sexual preference. For example, two gay male friends where one is attracted to the other. Why do I bring this up? A lot of focus was placed on the feminist movement leading to male and female non-sexual friendships. I pose that although the term Friend Zone was a 90s sitcom-created term, the reason why it spread in popularity was its clear connection to the populace. People relate to this term. Whatever it is labeled, the Friend Zone exists in many forms, and there are simple ways to deal with it. Despite this long message, this is not a complaint, more so a bit of curiosity on my part. So thank you for expressing your
0: curiosity, Austin. Yeah, and I think we, we did acknowledge the the same-sex friendship thing, but again, it was a, it's a problem that comes up so often where, uh, the research is so, it's especially just not with the friend zone, it is uber, uh, hetero-focused. Um, well, I've got one here also on the friend zone, and this is from Amy, and she writes, uh, Dr. Heidi Reeder from Boise State University was one of your sources and was my professor eight years ago. Or intro to communication. Um, her class was where I met my boyfriend slash best friend slash frustrated object of affection. She gives his real name. I'm going to call him Tommy. <laughs> he also happened to be a good friend of a close high school friend. So Tommy and I hung out a few times and I dated his roommate for a while. When it didn't work out with him, Tommy was there to comfort me. With that, romantic thoughts entered my head, but I still hung out in the friend zone until one night when we were alone and he went in for a kiss. Our romantic relationship had a lot of ups and downs since then, including a marriage proposal that I assumed was a joke because we were always more friends than lovers, despite my desire for more. Several times he talked to me... Through our own breakup. We always lived together until this summer when we both moved back to our hometowns, which happened to be three hours apart. Since then, we've spoken pretty rarely, sent a dozen texts a week, and only spent one weekend together. He always says he's sorry that he's so busy, which I know is true, but I think he could do more than 10 minutes or so a week. I think he's put me back in the friend zone, finding it easier than breaking it off totally with me, and has just assumed that I will still be there for him when he decides he wants to date again. I've decided that I deserve better and have decided to cut him out of my life, but this is very painful and lonely. He was my most intimate and constant companion for seven and a half years, and sometimes I feel like I'm cutting off my nose to spite my face. What do you think? I think that you're making the right decision, Amy, because I think that you shouldn't have to... Linger in the friend zone wondering what Tommy wants when clearly you stated before that you wanted more to the point that you considered a marriage proposal a joke. Obviously you don't, the foundational trust that he does love you as much as you might love him, it doesn't seem like it's there. And I think in those kind of situations, it's best to slog through the pain and the loneliness because you're going to find something better at the end of it.
1: Yeah, well, we talked about in that episode um, the issue of people, men or women, keeping people around, Mm -hmm. kind of manipulating them, and Mm -hmm. how that's completely unhealthy for everybody involved. And so even though... It you know hurts so much to to cut loose this person that was in your life for so long. Um, it's you're just making room. Once you heal from that, you're just making room for for something healthier.
0: And I think the friend zone also is a different territory when it's post breakup. If you feel like you're friend zoned after a breakup, it does that. That sounds more like someone just keeping you on the line just in case. Yeah, and that's not fair. You know so treat treat yourself well Amy and um, be gentle with yourself and move on you know and I'm sure Tommy will probably come back because Tommy's usually come back <laughs> life experience talking so that's all we've got for you mom stuff at discovery.com is where you can send your emails you can find us on Facebook and like us there follow us on Twitter at mom podcast and you can tumble with us as well at stuffmomnevertoldyou.tumblr.com. And if you'd like to get a little bit smarter this week, you can head over to our website. It's HowStuffWorks.com. For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit HowStuffWorks.com.